Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi there. Um, thanks for having me on. It's uh, Joshy here, uh, at Doc underscore Joshy on Twitter, and you'll find me on uh, various podcasts, including this one, obviously, and uh, YouTube, cha- YouTube channels. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore Jersey underscore Fitz. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, Joshy, Manchester United, things have uh, on paper been going very well with this uh, 16-match unbeaten streak. Uh, Do you think that is representative of how you've been playing of late? Um, I think, well, this week we had a couple of good wins, a really good win yesterday against Watford and that that 16 match unbeaten run is I mean obviously it's a great run to be on but you know the caveat being that we've had seven draws in there including two from you know a couple of weeks ago which you know we should have won so when you look at that as a on its own if you just say our 16 matches unbeaten yes of course that's a that's a great record to have and one that we want to extend for as long as possible but at the same time within that there are a lot of matches where um we should have won and our finishing has let us down. And that's pretty much the same as that's pretty, pretty much the story of the season. So even yesterday against Watford, um, we won two nil and it was quite comfortable, but actually it should have been five, six, six, seven, even, you know, maybe not should have been, but could have been. Uh, and, but the finishing has been pretty, pretty poor all season long. Even Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I mean, it seems a bit, Churlish to be um, criticizing our top scorer. He's got 20 goals for us this season already, and it's sort of 10 seasons in a row he's got 20 goals for his club. But even he should have 10, 12 more goals this season, just the number of clear cut chances that he's missed. And even yesterday, he could have had a hat trick, and, and two of them were properly not easy chances, but chances that were, you would say, were clear cut chances, you know. So, yes, it's, it's great that we're on this run. And it's really good to be going into the to, to have got that win yesterday and last week, um, because now we're going into a period where we don't play a Premier League game now until March, because of our cup commitments. So to get that under our belt, and uh, you know, we were in fifth position out of sixth place for a good few hours, so that was good too. So um, you know, the, the, <laughs> the run the run's been good, and something that even though we're still in sixth position. Um, I think in the in the last eight weeks we've cut back. Uh, I think we were eleven points off second. And now we're two points off second. Still in sixth, but you know um, we're cutting that deficit down. Uh, that might change tomorrow with City playing, but at the moment you know we're, we're making progress. And, and yeah, the unbeaten run is something that we will want to extend. Um, you know, for as long as possible, as would any club. So, yeah, it's, we feel pretty happy. And, and the good thing is, even though our finishing has been poor, our build-up play, some of the football yesterday was like some of the best I've seen even since uh, Fergie's last se- in Fergie's last season. You know, we were really cutting, uh, cut Watford open a lot. Mkhitaryan, Martial, Mata, Herrera, Pogba, all contributing to some really great football. So, yeah, it was only 2-0, but it was, there was some really excellent stuff being played yesterday. Mm. Uh, I have a question for you uh, at the back because uh, Jones has been dealing with a, a small injury. Rojo wasn't in the team at the weekend, um, but Smalling is back. You still have Blint. You have Eric Baye. If you had to say right now what your best back four was, who would be in it? So, yes. Yeah, so, um, if, 
if we're saying they're all fit. Uh, yeah. I would Valencia. I think has made that right back position his own. He's actually this season performing at you know one of the best right backs in the league. Uh, uh, so he sort of made that his own. Eric Bay has been phenomenal since coming in coming into the side in the summer. Um, then just from this season, if fit, Phil Jones I think would go in. I'd partner Phil Jones with Eric Bay. I think he's just a bit better on the deck as well, having sort of had that experience playing at fullback and in midfield. But again, like you say, he's got, like we've said, he's got those injury issues that sort of keep cropping up. Um, he went on a really good extended run of games. Um, but like you say, he's injured now. Um, but he would certainly be the partner. That was, that's who I would choose to partner Eric Bay at the moment. Um, and at left back, like I know that Luke Shaw can, is a phenomenal player at his best, but we haven't seen his best for a long time. So, you know, and that's also down to the fact he's not really getting the opportunity. So whether that's a mental thing, you know, after his long, long-term injury or he's not putting their work in, I don't know. But if he was to hit that form that he did before he got that injury, then I would put him as first choice. But that's a big hypothetical because we've not seen that form in a long time. So for the moment, I'd probably either um, Daily Blint or Marcos Rojo, to be honest, they're both sort of left backs, but not quite left backs. So mm. either one would be fine. They each bring something different. Daily Blint's distribution is phenomenal. His reading of the game is excellent. Um, and his delivery, obviously, from wide positions is really good. But he lacks pace uh, and, and he's probably not as aggressive in a tackle as I would like, which Rojo, you know, he is quite quick, does have that pace and he is aggressive. So either one of them, really, they bring something different. But ideally, Luke Shaw would find that sort of form and then I'd, that would be my back four. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm very glad you mentioned Blinn's delivery because I always think back to the uh, World Cup, that Van Persie diving header against Spain. Oh, uh, yeah. Because that yeah, was yeah. Blinn, and that ball was just absolutely marvelous. Um, cool. It'll be very interesting to see how all that shakes out. I agree with you on Valencia as well. His attacking statistics have been insane this season. Um, yeah, I think one of the – well, his attacking has been better uh, – has been really excellent getting down that right wing. Mm. Um, his delivery, again, is if his delivery had it was as good as Daily Blitz, then I think he would probably be one of the best attacking uh, fullbacks in the world. Mm. But sometimes that's the side of him that let, his game that lets him down. But this season, what's been the biggest improvement is his defensive work. He used to be a liability at that, at that sort of right-back position, not through sort of – any massive fault of his own it's not his natural position or it hadn't been in the past but it looks like jose jose Mourinho has sort of worked on that quite extensively because his defensive positioning is so much better and he's sort of really is contributing to to that back four and sort of how well that back four is playing so yeah no i think he's been really excellent this season uh yeah definitely agree with you there uh dan you also get a win uh the first goal was contentious for many. It was um, handy. I <laughs> uh, see what you did there. Um, yeah, I, me and every other newspaper or, me- or uh, website ever. Yeah, like when Gabriel Jesus scored. It was like, Jesus saves. And we're like, we get it. Do we have to do this his whole career? No, um, Jesus from across. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Um, but for Arsenal, you needed a win. Um, things had been looking a little bit rocky, so to get a, a win that you needed like that, obviously good. Uh, but in a match you probably expected to win. We also saw Arsene Wenger publicly say that he's been offered a new contract. Uh, if you would be so kind, break that all down for us. Uh, Arsene Wenger was always going to be offered a new contract. It's up to him to turn it down with, if he feels he wants to stay. The board's not going to like fire him and unless it, unless everything goes catastrophically wrong like we is finished. just missing top four catastrophically wrong i don't think so i think catastrophically wrong is more like do finishing 10th or something but I, again it's it's interesting this season because i'd say we're probably the only team in the top six that's got worse but less not less on us more just there are six really really good teams i don't think as much as it sucks, as in you're not in the Champions League, I don't think there's any shame necessarily in finishing six. Again, that's a weird sentence, but there are six legitimately very, very good teams this year. Um, as far as I, even if there weren't, I'm not sure finishing fifth would be cat- so catastrophically wrong that the board wouldn't offer Wenger a new contract. But then you have to wonder whether he would want to go again because he's a smart guy. He kind of, you know, 
he hears everything that goes on, everything that fans are saying, whether right or wrong, he hears it. Um, he knows he's getting up there in age, to say the least, um, even if his hair is still perfect. Uh, he's, I don't know, I, I'm at the point where I'm never going to actively want Arsene Wenger to leave. But if he signed an extension, I wouldn't be ecstatic like I would be at a point. I think he has his limitations tactically. We know that even if he's still very good at the front of the game and other stuff like analytics and uh, being able to spot talent, he's still very good at that. Um, I think he does have his limits, and I don't know. I love him. I'll never ask him to leave, but I wouldn't be quite as devastated if he was to call it a day and retire as I may have been year or two ago hmm. which sucks to say but yeah um we spoke uh with steve boniface the other day uh and we're discussing the long-term futures of alexis and otzel and both kind of came to the assumption that if if you were only going to keep one alexis would obviously be the more likely to stay another not super inspiring huh. performance I, definitely on the other side interesting yeah, no, I think if any, if it's one or the other, Ozil is probably the one that's more likely. You think Alexis would move up and Otzel would be stuck as opposed to keeping Alexis and then kind of not being as interested in keeping Otzel? No, I think we, I think Alexis would be the one to leave. Right, because you oh, think okay. he's gonna he's gonna going to move up. Ah, okay, yeah, I, must, I thought you said Alexis was the one more likely to stay at Arsenal. Oh, I to, did. <laughs> this is we're oh going, yeah, this, okay, yeah. No, I think if I think if one person's gonna stay. Uh, just from a which one is more likely to sign a new deal? I think Ozil's more likely. I think he has. I th- Alexis is more. I don't think he's as, as attached to the club or the city or the style or like the lifestyle he lives in London, where Ozil, I think, definitely is. Um, not so attached that he couldn't leave, but I think he's. I I am under the impression that it's more likely that he signs a contract extension than Alexis does. That's interesting. What do you think is causing? some of these kind of poor showings we've seen from Utzel, because some have been lopping it up to disinterest. Oh, uh, that's bull. I'm not going to curse, but yeah, no, I think that's total bull. Um, he's had, in, I think it's weird, because you'd think putting Alexis in front of him would be better for him. I'm not sure it necessarily has been. Um, as far as his creative numbers have been down all season, it was just earlier in the season he was getting more shots, and he still is getting more shots and stuff. He's just was well overperforming earlier in the season. But, um and so, you know, it's evening out. But, yeah, I mean, he hasn't had as good a season as he did last year. I think his creative numbers are down. Again, I, I will, I, yeah. I'm thinking that that may be down to putting Alexis up top. It's just a different system for him. Um, he has he been is getting, putting in a lot more crosses. He's drifting wide a lot more. Yeah, I mean, what was it? The last, I mean, he's always drifted wide. That's just, He has a free roll in the 10. He loves picking up uh, room in the half spaces. But um, of have I'd say uh, some of his chances were he cat he could have just drifted wide and crossed to Giroud. Uh, you're not uh, drifting wide and crossing to Alexis. And um, with Alexis is well, the good thing about Alexis is he's not such such a static target like Giroud is, which I think is better for our attack. But if you're just looking at, you know, it's easier for someone to just find a guy, find a striker sitting in the middle and create for him. And when again, it's probably easier to defend against. But when you're Mesut Ozil, you can just say you're not going to defend me i'm going to create a chance anyway so and then as far as just the lackluster performances i think are of a again i don't think anything's down to effort i totally disagree with that i think it's a lot of if ozo doesn't play really well people are more prone to say he's played badly or he's been lackluster purely because of the whole body language thing it's like he's always been like this he's languid he's not he's not obviously energetic or passionate even though <laughs> it was always a fun thing that he tends to run more than alexis even though the narratives are totally flipped but that's a whole nother thing i i don't buy the whole disinterested thing at all all right at all, in any way shape or form <laughs> hey tell us how you really feel yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, isn't it a case of so someone like Ozil, if he's not scoring and he's not getting an assist then people notice that and say well what's he in the side to do? So that, I think that's a valid point in the sense that he's not really a grafter, someone that will um, tackle and things like that. So he doesn't stand out. 
unless he's standing out, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, his whole he's thing not... is he's good even without standing out to the obviousness because he tends to, yeah. play, he's still vital in building up the play. I think that's more, I mean, yeah, no, I always blame but it on the terms, fan. But... Yeah, in terms of just the general perception of him, because he's sort of yeah. built, you know, like as the <laughs> assist king or the end, you know, the guy at the end product, if he's not producing the end product, people sort of don't, because of his style of play, um, they probably don't, necessarily see what he contributes when in fact i mean you know he, he will be involved in that build-up play and it might be that he's having a six or seven out of ten game which means he's not going to get that assist but he's overly criticized because he hasn't got that assist or hasn't got a goal um which doesn't yeah, mean totally you know so that, that yeah. so with someone like him yeah. when he gets the assist it's like oh yeah we've expected it because he is that good when he doesn't it's kind of like oh it's another game where he's sort of not done anything because he's his sort of point of being in a team is to create the goals um so if he's doing everything else you don't really want him to be doing that so i mean it's a sort of a two-way thing in that if he isn't scoring and creating goals kind of like what is he doing but then that's a really simplistic that's too simplistic a way of of of, of saying you know of, of criticizing him but when he is sort of scoring and assisting, then it's sort of overly hyped, I think, as well. Because I think he's a very, very good player. But he does flip in and out of games at times. And he has got that tendency, because of the way he plays, just sort of, if things are tough, um, he's not the player that's going to make that challenge and make things happen in the same way that someone like Alexis Sanchez would. Even if he does run more than Alexis Sanchez, or if he is in that lovely, intricate build-up play, so I think there is sort of two things going on there as well. So, But yeah, I think sometimes some of the criticism of players like Ozil, of Zlatan actually at the club, who, I mean, I've criticised them to be fair, um, uh, Berbatov back in the day, just because of their style of play. They don't crash about and, and burn a lot of energy and, and sort of look like they're, ha- you know, pressing players. Um, so then when they're not scoring and not creating goals, people are like, oh, what, what are they actually doing? But it's but if you don't really watch them often enough, you miss you miss the little things that they do to open up space to bring other players into the game. So yeah, and I, I do think some of the criticism is over the top with him. Yeah, and then oh, I'm I'm just bitter towards uh, one of my favorite players in general. But people always <laughs> people always say Alexis is such a hard worker. He's really not. He's it's when he works hard, it's very very visible and it's right on the ball. But if you're like if you have a camera on him the entire game especially when he's not playing up top when he's playing up top it's a bit better when he's playing wide if the ball isn't right in front of him or he didn't just lose the ball he will not do anything which is like totally fine he's good enough that he can do that it's just more i get annoyed at the whole narrative thing but he's like this extremely hard worker and if everyone at arsenal worked as hard as he does then they'd win every game they've ever played and john would have like, double oh, the red cards <laughs> yeah <laughs> um all right uh well Loathe though I am to do it, I must talk about Tottenham, uh, who did lose to Liverpool 2 0 uh, yesterday as we record. Um, and they largely did to us what we try to do to other people. Uh, the fact that we were missing Kevin Vimmer, or sorry, the fact that we were missing uh, Jan Vertongen and Danny Rose was very evident. I mentioned pretty much anywhere that would listen to me uh, that Sadio Mane, especially in fantasy realms, was going to have a huge day up against Ben Davis. And, um, he's so good. He is. He's and so good. I'm assuming you aren't talking about Ben Davis. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Come on. Uh. Um, yeah, Sadio Mane has been absolutely lethal. Also, I'm just getting really tired of right before any match against any team hearing about how Tottenham almost signed a player of theirs in the summer. Because it happened with Mane and Wignoldum this time. Um, and it's just been happening so much. We didn't sign them. And Dan, I'm sure you sympathize with this. Because we yes, I do. And to be fair, Wenger is the one that mentions it. <laughs> yes, he does. And other at other clubs is like the fans and journalists. Where like a journalist will be like, "Oh, you're playing Monaco. We were interested in Joao Matinho 17 years ago." But uh, with Arsenal, it's Wenger that's like, "Yeah, we almost signed him." And you're like, "Okay, how does that help anything?" No, uh, uh, it usually tends to be like uh, talk about this player. Oh, this player is very good. We looked at him. We almost signed him. Da 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 da. It's yeah. kind of like I don't think he brings it up by I don't think he totally brings it up. It's more like he's mm. told to talk about him. He's like, well, he's good. This is like this is how good I think he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, back to the actual match. Um, Liverpool 
totally overwhelmed us. Uh, the fact that they use a different style of press, and I'm gl- I've actually seen a couple of things talking about it, which is great because last time we played them, it was not mentioned. The difference between our presses is that our press goes all the way to the goalkeeper and theirs goes to the defensive line. And the reason why that was so effective is because of how much we rely on passing out from the back. Where, if people were watching that match, it took us till about the 60th minute to realize that wasn't going to work before we started yeah, kicking it that long. Was strange. It I that was really strange. It was really strange. Set up that way against Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool at Anfield with the his first choice front three. I just thought, I, I, watching it from the beginning, I just this is not going to end well for Tottenham. Yeah, and and it may not have ended well even if we had our best defensive line, and then we yeah, didn't have that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, because Jan Vertonghen obviously much more comfortable on the ball than Eric Dyer was, as we saw. Um, yeah. when he was yeah. dispossessed of that one. Although, you do have to put some culpability on any of the other players on the pitch because um, there should have been the loudest man on shout in history uh, right before that. But, I mean, he was bobbling all over the place anyway. Um, it's one of those matches that is very demoralizing. I, I had said uh, previously that if we got any result against Liverpool, I would have been pretty confident in uh, saying that we would finish in the top four. Now with a loss, you have to start questioning that. And um, as Josh, you mentioned with Manchester United, three weeks ago, people were talking about how both Manchester clubs were out of the race. And then, as he also well, mentioned, that was stupid. they're all within two points now. The whole top six. Well, the, well <laughs> outside of Chelsea. Right, yeah. The, the five yeah, below right. Chelsea. Um, but yeah, so uh, this was a pretty big negative. We, uh, depending on what Manchester City's result, are going to still sneak away in second or third, even though that gap has closed. So those are, those are the positives. The negatives are that there were some very concerning things in this match, which was our continued lack of chance creation, which was staggering considering how maybe the four times we actually got forward, uh, we were just incisive. We were cutting through them so easily, but we just couldn't get the ball up there consistently. And then by the time we did start getting the ball up there, Sun had picked up a little bit of a knock. Then you bring on Sissoko, we brought on Jansen, we brought on Harry Winks, which, to be fair, I did think helped because just having a player that's confident on the ball and is a good passer of the ball was important. But it's not like Dembele was having a poor match. He was probably our best player up until the point that he was taken off. Um, but yeah, Potts just got this one very wrong, and then the players didn't put in the kind of performance that can overwhelm some uh, tactical mistakes. <laughs> the, the match that I kept thinking of while watching this was West Ham last season. Um, it was the first time Leicester had dropped points in the new year, uh, and we could have closed the gap to one match, so we would have been three points behind. And we were riding on a somewhat high. We came in kind of expecting to get a result the way we had been doing, and then just got outclassed by Bilic as a manager and outclassed by Payet on the pitch. And it just felt like that again. Klopp just got everything right, and not only did they get everything right, but Mane had one of those performances in bold letters. Um, and and the worst thing is that it was predictable. Like, we knew the issue was going to be down our left, down Liverpool's right. And then the fact that that's what was so effective was very frustrating. They kept beating us with diagonal balls and with a high press. That's half of our game. And, and it's it's really staggering. We had been getting better against teams that pressured us. It had been very surprising the past few years how poor we were against it, considering we deal with it in training every day. And then to see that kind of lapse in a match this important was very, very frustrating. Um, again, like we talked about with points, end of the day, not that huge of an issue in the scale of the table. We don't have another away game against the top six side for the rest of the season. Uh, we do have Arsenal and United in our last five. Both of them are at home, though. Um, but we're about to hit a very kind run of fixtures that we have to pick up points from. Because if we don't, other people will certainly uh, take our spot. Mauricio Pochettino made an interesting point. Um, he is oftentimes <laughs> very salty uh, after matches, but unlike a lot of other managers in the Premier League, he's largely upset with the players um, and said point blank that maybe Tottenham players uh, don't know how to win the title. Maybe they don't want it. Maybe they don't want it that bad because we keep talking about the process. I've been saying on this show for two years that with this group of players, you know, we will contend for titles. Last year was our best chance. But last year was not our best team because all of our young players are going to continue, continue to develop. And I think as a fan base and also as a player set, I think a lot of us just kind of assumed that at some point that was probably going to happen. But now we have yet another season 
where when it came down to it, we lost the match that we had to win to keep those hopes alive. And seeing Chelsea drop points today just kind of twists the knife that much more because, you know, I'm not saying we could have, uh, but the conversation would still be there. Um, and the fact that we, we've fallen short on our faces again in a situation like that is concerning considering our struggles down the back half of seasons in years past. So uh, it's a very frustrating result. Uh, we got fully outplayed, all credit due to Liverpool. Uh, they did exactly what we wanted to do, but they just did it at us. Um, they've obviously kind of saved their season. If they had lost, it would have very much hurt their Champions League chances. Uh, but yeah, so they did well. We did not. And uh, hopefully we can rectify that soon with some kinder fixtures on the horizon. Isn't it, though, uh, sometimes if just had a bad day at the office, everyone has those yeah. kind of games. And, you know, Liverpool just were excellent on the day and you guys just didn't turn up. Sometimes, I mean, it, we, I've gotten used to that over the last three years. <laughs> uh, and I do agree with you, though, about the whole, you know, the latter stage of the season and Spurs sort of fading away. And I think that's kind of been an unwanted hallmark of Pochettino teams as well, even in the past, even in his previous sort of managerial jobs. So it's maybe something to do with the intensity that um, the teams play, I don't know. But, you know, I think, on the day, I would put it down to, I think, yes, tactically, there were issues. It didn't quite set up right. But then again, like you say, that left-hand side was quite obviously weak and it was quite obviously targeted. So you could just put it down to one of those days. Things just went so well for Liverpool. I mean, in the end, didn't Son have a couple of chances where he, he did. actually should have he scored? He had the one chance on one on Oh, that ball through Ericsson? Oh, that, man. Yeah, that would have changed things a little bit. So it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a, one of those season-defining matches, or certainly from the outside looking in, but obviously you're talking as a Spurs fan with experience. Um, and I think that's maybe what he meant by the, the Spurs, maybe these players don't know how to win the league because maybe they will make that a season-defining result when in fact, like at, at United, we've had matches like that you know, in the past and gone on to win the title, losing 5-0 against Newcastle and then the following week losing 6-3 against Southampton, you know, still went on to win the league because you just got to just say, well, holy, you know, holy crap, sometimes sometimes these things happen, whatever, let's just get on with it. Obviously, you don't want it to happen too often, but it's not always a case of, ah, you know, we're just not good enough, tactically not good enough, whatever. It's a case of, oh, we're just, on the day, we just weren't at the races, Dust yourself off. Get on with the next thing. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And uh, I think maybe one of the reasons why there's been such a strong reaction from Pochettino and from the fan base is not because, as you said, this is not a season-defining loss unless we let it be. And I think that is being sensed. Like, this could be the catalyst that leads us to that end again. And I I do think that may be why this is um, of such concern. But I I think that's a well-made point that uh, uh, it's up to us. We can make this not matter if we get results the rest of the weeks, but we have to do that instead of, uh, you know, being able to get this one. It's a mental thing as well. It's not just the training and tactics thing. And that's why I'm always someone who I always say, you know, trophies, actually winning something, having that mentality where you've gone and won it, because even if it's just the league cup or just inverted commas, we're in the final. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing for that, but, you know, young, especially in a squad with young players, having that experience of just getting over the line and getting that winner's medal, sometimes even just getting to the final and experiencing that loss and going, Jesus, I don't want to feel that again. I want to get that medal. You know, that can be enough to just sort of give that mental strength, because if you win a cup competition invariably along the way, you've had a bit of a tough match. You've had a, maybe a bit of a scare and, and you've got through and you've gone to the final and you've and you've won. So that whole experience, I believe, especially in young players, can catalyze the team and sort of send them in mentally in the right direction so that losses like this in a league season aren't so damaging. Because they go, yeah, well, you know, it happens in league season. Nobody goes the season winning every single match. Um, so, yeah, just get on with it. And now it's all about the end goal. Mm. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I don't think anyone I don't think this has been a title race since like New Year's. I've been saying Chelsea had like a <laughs> seventy plus percent chance to win since then. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a very good point. So uh 
everyone's uh, saying be... like the title race is up for grabs. No, it's not. Come on now. <laughs> right. Well, I did. I did want to talk about that. We we actually spent a fair bit of time in making the rounds, which I loved because it was more of a conversation instead of just like blocks of uh, guests talking. But uh, with Chelsea dropping points, do do we think that there's any chance anybody else gets up there? I I would like to say uh, that I'm not stupid. I do realize that uh, the teams that are now you know closer in the table would still have to make up ridiculous ground because it means any team behind them still has to get 10 points. They still have to make up 10 points, which means Chelsea well, have to drop those points. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If City well, win tomorrow, it'll only be eight for them, but I still think mm, it's very... Exactly. I think it's been over for a while. Um, what was it? I, whatever their lead was at around Christmas, I think the only team that had ever blown a lead that big was um, Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. Ooh. And this isn't Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. Um, I, I just, I don't, I haven't seen them losing, not winning the title for, what was it, the 12th? About a month and a half, two months now. And I don't think that's changed. So that's ages because of Adriana Burnley. Yeah, I think Jose Mourinho made a good point, And it, it sort of echoes your point about Newcastle. Um, or rather, you know, the antithesis of that. But he said in the post-match interview yesterday, because he was asked the question, is the title still on? And... You know, I mean, ultimately his answer was no, but you never know because obviously you never know in football. But essentially he said, um, with a team like Chelsea with this type of lead, you don't expect them to blow it. Not because, you know, they can't lose and they're invincible, but their game defensively is so good. Um, okay, today they let in a goal, but it was, a you know, from a free kick. But defensively, they're so good that for them to lose three, four matches that they need to lose for to, to for any one team to catch up and then that team has to still win all their games it's kind of you know so unlikely whilst with a team like Newcastle they were so attack dependent that you could get at them at the back they'll drop they'll draw games they might lose the odd game but they'll draw games and you know they'll let in goals you know and so that's why I thought that was a good point because this Chelsea team is so good um, defensively that it's just highly unlikely that they're going to lose that sequence of matches that's required and also have another team win those four or five games. Right. That being said, it's not unheard of. Um, and City have a chance tomorrow to go to within eight points. That's three matches. So it's not like that sequence of four or five games or it doesn't even have to be a sequence, but it's three matches. It's not inconceivable. Chelsea still have to play us. Um, I'm sure they've got to play. I think they've got to play City still, um, and they've got away matches at Everton coming up. Everton aren't just going to roll over, um, so it's not inconceivable. And you never say never, and it's not over till it's over, and all the other cliches that come with it, you know. But it's going to be. It's, it's going to require something completely catastrophic but you and and that's why you just don't see it because they're not the type they don't look like the kind of team that are just going to crumble since they switched to this uh his preferred 343 um they've just looked mm. so solid at the back that you, you just don't see them crumbling in the way that new uh, kevin keegan's newcastle did or in the way that actually united did when arsenal chased us down i think it was a 13 oh, point gap been- at the yeah, the one where we won 10, 10 in a row at the end of the season. You won, yeah, so that, and yeah, that was down to the fact that Arsenal went on just a ridiculous run of wins. So you, you need that combination of one team going on a stupid run of wins, and then you also need to then suddenly hit a patch of poor form, and then it all sort of comes together. Yeah, like this wouldn't be, what was it, uh, the other week, Tom Brady, the, the Patriots coming back from... <laughs> 25 points in the Super Bowl, but I, I'd say Chelsea have like an 80% upward chance. They have no European football for us this season, whereas I, exactly. I whereas uh, City don't. They only have two matches against the rest of the top six, home to City and away to United. Mm. Um, yeah, looking at their fixtures, it's pretty, it's not bad. They have no European football. I, They are a very good team with a very good manager with some very good players. Even if Diego Costa has been running crazy hot the entire season at this point, I'm not sure it's going to matter. Yeah. Uh, like I again, it's not ninety nine percent chance, but I have them at an eighty percent plus chance of winning the title. Yeah, I mean Arsenal could close the gap since they only have two European matches left. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, they've they've also been like not lucky with injuries, but they've just not had a spate of injuries on yeah, the stage. 
yeah chelsea yeah. so and and that will probably be partly down to the fact that they don't have a whole bunch of games true and they still have the squad size the fact that they can bring on fabregas and willian in matches is just absurd not to mention michi's really good if anything ever happened to costa right yeah like they they and uh, like i know that the nathan ake recalling got a lot of hate because the young player signing up for basically uh the imperial duty (laughs) but um my point was that is that is just safe proofing their squad because now they have a backup for every one of their back three center backs. So in a worst case scenario, they could still field their preferred formation. And when you're as many points ahead as they are, it's not about making a big move. It's about making sure that if anything happens, you have a situation to deal with it. I, I just think that's largely what that was. And yes, it costs the money to to recall him early, but you know what? It's uh, less money then. Uh, if they win the title, so I, and what's I, in Rome, and what's probably in Roman Abramovich's pocket, <laughs> right? So let's be real here. Um, yeah, he he puts the amount of money it talk, took to recall Ake. He pulls wet wads of that out of his pants when he yeah. forgets to do. Oh, I just I just thought that Abramovich does his own laundry. That's a dumb analogy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's absolutely no. He's like, what is this? The spin cycle. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so although what is it? I mean, if we're going with the your imperial Star Wars analogy, maybe uh, maybe Ake's Finn, and he'll just blow it all up from the inside. Ooh, love it. This is <laughs> the best extended analogy. I didn't think it was going to come back, but there we go. Um, Conte's too likable, though. Uh, yeah, because people Conte like is that angsty teen son of a oh. Han Solo. Right. So that does make it tough for Antonio Conte. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about Antonio? I mean, I, I said it uh, on Twitter the other day. I don't know whose antics I hate more on the sideline, him or Klopp. Oh, it's- obviously it's obviously <laughs> it's Klopp. But even I mean, Conte is. I, I I find it really annoying, but also I know that it's super annoying. I find it that annoying because they're so good as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of partly to do with that. But, yeah, I, I sort of don't really like that. It's like when Mourinho went running down the side of the pitch. So ever since then, I'm just like, God damn it. You know, <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't want to see these managers do that. But then I say that and I, I remember Alex Ferguson dancing on the pitch. So, you know, maybe I'm just being a bit of a miserable <laughs> old git. <laughs> yeah, I will say as a Spurs fan, it really pains me because I have always thought Antonio Conte was way underappreciated as a manager. And now that he's finding success, I have that like weird self-pride. Like, duh, of course he was going to be good. But also it's for <laughs> Chelsea. And so I just, yeah, it's very emotionally taxing. <laughs> it's all right. So what you do to make yourself feel better is just go, look, titles that Chelsea and City win don't really count because they've just uh, been pumped full of cash. So that's how I look at it mentally. And, and elite managers. Feel, to, yeah. to make myself feel better, I just sort of go, yeah, you know, they, they just sort of, had someone come and dump a whole load of cash on them, and that's mm. that's why they're winning loads. That makes me feel better. I mean, that's like I the will, last. I will not bring up net spends right now, but um... no, not do that. No, yeah, we spent money, but it's our money. But you and, earned it, right, right, right. And the Glazers have taken a whole shitload out of it as well. So you know, we're, we're sort of <laughs> we're the opposite, although still still sort of spending a lot of money, but it's our earned money. And it makes it's some sort of convoluted fan way of justifying it. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like when people argue over values or not. And people are like, is it your money? And you're like, oh, okay. Well, that's fair. (laughs) Um, But uh, we just spent a lot of time talking about this year's most likely title-winning Chelsea team. Let's take a pause and talk about last year's title-winning team. Because uh, with a loss to Swansea today, which was deserved, by the way. Swansea, we're just the better team. Um, Are we now thinking that Lesser could really go down? Yeah, it's yeah, possible, definitely, especially after today. But I, like, it's there. It's within the reasonable realm of possibilities. I still think they'll be just okay, but it, it's getting real bad. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over twenty years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I mean, when you look at teams at the bottom end, there's, you know, there's always one that gets sucked in, isn't there? Mm. And, and when you're in that sort of downward spiral, that team tends to just sort of keep going. So that they're in that, they're in that right now, you know, especially after losing to Swansea today. So there needs to be a big change. Um, something needs to happen for them to sort of just kickstart out of that. They need to just get either a lucky win somewhere or just change something up. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're in real danger. And, and yeah, you know, Dan might be right in that they just about sort of stay up. But I think that they are certainly, you know, they're, they're in massive trouble at the moment just because of the momentum that, or the sort of negative momentum that they've got at the moment. Mm. So, it, yeah, they need, there's something not right. I mean, I think there's a lot that you can talk about in terms of why they're in this position. You know, one of them is Kante has gone to, to Chelsea. Um, that's a big issue but it's also i think they've changed the way they play they absolutely have yeah no they totally have yeah first of all they're not a surprise package anymore but secondly they're sort of playing differently to the way they played last year almost as though they've kind of not believed the hype but almost as though like oh we're league champions we should be playing a certain way when in fact they should not have changed the way they played because the way they played was working so well you know they soaked up pressure they worked hard and then they hit you on the break and they use Jamie Vardy's pace at, to, to sort of hit teams on that break and, and the pace of Riyad Mahrez and his skill. And there are other players. Um, what's the chap? The other Mark one was then Yeah, he was excellent last year. Yeah, yeah all Brighton. Um, yeah. And they have the players they're brought in, like uh, Slamani. Slamani. Yes, and then they've got amazing pace but they're playing a different system or a different style. Well, which... listen, this stat is old. It's from like the first 10 games of the season, but it was it Leicester were a bottom five team in like shortest pass. They were in like, they were in the top five longest passers in the league for like each pass length this year. Again, this is only through the first 10 games when I saw this, but it was like, they were top five for shortest passes. Like they totally changed the way they played. Yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, they're doing a lot less um, sprinting and breaking away, which is what they did last year so well. Um, and... I do think teams are learning, like, okay, we tried to beat them at their own game for, like, the entire... Or, or was it we tried to beat them while allowing them to play their own game for, like, the entire season, and that didn't work? So we're just going to sit there and not want the ball. And I think it is harder for them to counter, but I do think they've also changed the way they've played. No, yeah, absolutely. It is much harder because, they, you know, they're not the surprise package anymore, but... Uh, they uh, and the other thing is i don't know they just don't seem to have that energy that zip they're not pressing teams they're not hunting them down or at least they're not doing it as much as they used to or as often as they did and consistently as they did so well, they just the thing i always joke for um the loss of kante essentially because they had Can- they had kante last season they didn't play a 4-4-2 they played a 4-5-2 kante's just two people um <laughs> and now yeah, they can't someone say yeah it was their uh, say sporting that, director like, so that it yeah, wasn't so fair because they were playing with 10 players in Conte. Yeah, yeah no, and they were playing. He said, yeah, we play a central midfield of um, Drinkwater and Kante alongside him on each side. Kante yeah. on the left, Kante on the left. So we've got three-man central midfield. <laughs> you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, he was he is a phenomenal player and he is going to be missed. But, the th- you know, he, most teams would miss a player like that. But I think even then they haven't adjusted well enough, obviously, um, but they've also changed the way they're playing. And, and again, that's natural. So Ranieri's got a lot of work to do. That's, well, uh, that's oh, my no. question. Ranieri, the biggest challenge of Ranieri's uh, Mancio career will be balancing defending the Champions League next year with trips away to QPR. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's going to happen. You just know and championship. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because Europe don't know. They haven't seen this. They wait. don't understand. And, and the one time it worked this season was against Pep, who wasn't here last year. Um, but... Yeah. 
I I now need to look up the Champions League standings because I remember at the t- at the last round of Champions League, the last round of the group stage, they had more points in the Champions League than they had in the Premier League, and they've been on <laughs> such a bad run. I would not be surprised if that's still the case. Oh, they have twenty one points in the league, so it won't be quite. I don't <laughs> okay, think yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's closer than it should be. Yeah. Also, for those wondering at home, with the loss of Liverpool, Tottenham now have the same amount of losses in the Champions League and the Premier League. And one of those is a smaller sample size than the other. Um, yeah, just a little bit. Uh, so you did mention some uh, issues that they've been having there, Josh, and I definitely agree with the play style differences. But is there a solution? And I mean, I, I hate to take it to this place, uh, especially because it, it kind of reminds me of the Gary Monk thing at Swansea and that sometimes you just have to make a change, even if you know they're the right fit for the club, just at a certain point. Players' ears turn off a little bit, and is there any chance that that's the problem? Not that Ranieri is a bad manager, and not that he hasn't done great things for Leicester, but just that they're not on the same page anymore. It's a difficult one, you know, especially as they're in the Champions League still. Yeah, there is that. There was that slightly odd interview from Casper Schmeichel the other week where he was, you know, really sort of. Odd in the sense that most players just come out and say, yeah, look, we've got to get on with it, blah, blah, blah. But he was really, not negative, but critical, saying we really need to step up kind of thing. So, But he also did say there's nothing sort of going on in the the dressing room. I guess he would. So it's a difficult one. Um, That being said, he won the league last year. You can't can't sack him. Wasn't he manager of the season as well? You should be you well. He's so. better have been. Yeah, <laughs> he, they should be building a statue for him. For God's sakes, I mean, you, it, I know what you're saying. Rename the uh, stadium the Dilly, Dilly, Dilly Ding Dilly Dong Stadium. Probably, yeah. But you know, I know what you're saying. And if they had, say, last year they'd finished seventh, it would have still been, you know, without obviously hindsight, it would have still been a great season for them. And then now you could probably say, yeah, maybe he's lost that touch. Maybe there's something not quite there. But he won the league. You know, he's sort of built, he's sort of got himself a bit of leeway there. And it's not like they're down and out. They still have time. They're not in the relegation zone at the moment, are they? I think they're just above it. Um, and even though yeah, they're, they're sort of drifting. they're one point clear. Yeah. yeah I think even, even though they're drifting towards it, it's not over yet. So, you know, I would be inclined to say, not not just let him crack on with what he's still doing, but allow him that opportunity that chance to actually turn it around for this season you know so yes i get where you're coming from but who is who are you going to bring in i i you know bielsa bring in another yeah. crazy manager <laughs> uh, yeah well i mean i guess i mean i don't know the sort of who's available and who would want to come to lesson and all that kind of stuff but i just think it's just a bit mil- a bit crazy to be saying is he is it should he be sacked or should someone you come in when he won the league last year with Leicester, I mean, come on! I still don't believe that happened. Do you know what I mean? It's like one of those most ridiculous things, and they did it playing good football, counterattacking football, and they deserved it. You wouldn't say, "Oh, you know, other teams." I mean, other teams were shocking if you're going to talk about traditionally, but actually, they did deserve it in the end, didn't they? I mean, you don't win the oh, league. I can believe it. it. I can believe that in Tottenham's best season of my. <laughs> fandom that somebody else had a crazier season it's so believable <laughs> so yeah i mean I, I would be loath to say that he should be sacked it's not I, I just feel that's kind of wrong but who am i i'm not the director of football there <laughs> well i mean he's been given the vote of confidence and i do always think the voted uh, the dread vote of confidence i think is kind of a myth it just sticks out to us every time it happens where they get uh, yeah. Supported, and then they leave because the managers get supported all the time by the people upstairs, and then stay. Um, so it's kind of selection biasy there for me. Um, fair enough. Well, maybe they'll just turn it around. Uh, I guess. I guess we'll see. No, but, they're going to get relegated and win the Champions League. It's there going you to go. happen. Uh, write it up, Dan. <laughs> it's going to happen. Are we? Are we betting a copy of uh, FIFA 18? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh snap! I don't think we ever posted that picture. Uh, our our graphic design guy that redid our logo and everything. Um, did a FIFA 17 cover but with Bafa Timbi Gomis on the cover uh, as part of the <laughs> bet that I had with Dan last season where I said he would score 15 goals and he didn't uh, he sure didn't although he's looked very he's good he's going to score 15 with Marseille yeah. he sure is uh, but you know that's uh, 
also a little iffy. But uh, wow. all right, uh, we will head into Player Watch now, where we're going to discuss players that impressed or disappointed in our most recent fixture. If nobody did. I don't know, either of those. Uh, feel free to talk about somebody from the opposition that was particularly of note. Uh, we'll start with you, Joshi. A uh, player that impressed, I think uh, it was... <sighs> Anthony Marshall had a had an excellent game, and I love him, and I'm so happy that he did have such a good game, getting a goal and an assist. But I'm going to pick out Ander Herrera, because I think he's just quietly been our best player this season. He's just phenomenal at, phenomenal at breaking up play, which is a weird thing to say about him because he's so good on the ball. He breaks up play and then quickly gets the ball forward. Um, and yesterday, again, against Watford, he totally just dominated that midfield. Pogba alongside him was excellent as well, but he was more sort of efficient um, and he should have had a couple of goals. So you sort of, I'm a bit annoyed about that. But I think Herrera stood out for me as, um, even though we were, atta- att- you know, the, the attacking play was so good. And that was what our standout play was yesterday. I just wanted to single him out because I think he's just not quite getting the recognition he deserves. I think when you look at even statistically, I, you know, I'm saying it just from a subjective point of view, from a fan's point of view, but even statistically, he's made more tackles than um, N'Golo Kante. He's made more interceptions, um, more defensive headers, more clearances. You know, this he has been phenomenal in that sort of midfield box-to-box role. He's also got assists. So I'm going to single him out. I thought he was excellent yesterday. He, I don't think, I can't remember who got man of the match. I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Marshall got it because of his goal and assist and his all-round attacking play. Um, but I just wanted to single out Herrera because I think he's just he was just superb. Um, in terms of a player that disappointed, I'm going to go Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I mean, I said it earlier, and it's weird to be sort of slating a player who's got 20 goals for you already this season, but. He had so many chances and, and it's matches like yesterday that, yes, I think the, well, we won 2-0 and the midfield midfielders and wide players are starting to contribute goals more often. But he should have had a hat-trick yesterday and, and, and it's sort of the same thing over the whole season. He should have had, I mean, he should have had a lot more goals. And yesterday he, he, he didn't look disinterested as such, but when he has games like that, it it's just so frustrating because it, he, we could have had a hat full and, you know, and, and it just reminds you of games previously where we could have won if he had just taken his chance. And, and just because of his style of play, it looks like he's not really concentrating when he's going in for these finishes, which, you know, obviously isn't true because he's been a phenomenal player for so long, but it, it just grates on me just that little bit more because of his, he's so relaxed on the pitch or looks so relaxed on the pitch. So, um, I mean, it's a, it's a it's sort of a mild criticism because we won and he was integral to the sort of overall play. But it is it is just a little bit annoying that he just sometimes goes through these games where he doesn't he's not as clinical as you'd like him to be. So yeah, I'll just sort of say that it's just again it's a mild criticism, but I think overall yesterday we were, we were excellent. So fair enough, Dan. Uh, yeah, I'll go for I mean outside of Alexis Sanchez's right hand. Um, I'll go for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. He's been weirdly, really, really good in central midfield. You have to caution getting too excited because he's played, what, three and a bit game or three and a half games there, and the opponents he played against include Hull, Watford, and um, Southampton's C team, but he has been very, very good, and he did it again. Uh, it's it, it's such a surprise because I totally did. Like, I know he played there for us uh, in the, what was it, 13 14 season, I think was the last time he did, but I, I really didn't expect him to be this good. Um, again, small sample size and against some bad teams, but he's been really, really, really good. Uh, and it's nice to see it because we kind of need help in midfield. Hopefully he can be good against Byron too. Hee <laughs> uh, as far as bad, no one was like outstandingly bad, but I don't know if there were or were that many outstandingly good players either. Even if we played well, um, it's weird. Uh, so I'll go with. I really don't know, but no one was so outstandingly. I guess what is it? Player impressed from the other team. Um, I mean, Harry Maguire's impressed me all season. He's good. <laughs> uh, what was it? He's dead. He can defend. Hull defended reasonably well. I mean, yeah. we still deserved to win, but they weren't trash which they were beginning of the season 
Uh, I think McGuire, last I checked, he led the league in dribbles completed by a center back, so that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I have been very impressed with what they've done since Silva's come in. Um, And the fact that they... What do you know? A manager that doesn't know the league, but he can still manage. Oh, crazy. Also, he's too young and he wears too many suits. It can't possibly work. No. Um, also, you know the only the only managers that can save you from relegation are Sam Allardyce. Oh wait, he's in the bottom three. Uh, oh, whoops. Um, hmm. um, I yeah. think you guys saw that Ulmers and Phil Thompson Sky Sports. Rant. Yeah, no, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, God, oh God, that was so. Just watching that was so cringe. I was watching. I was actually watching a show when it happened. I was like, oh my God. This is embarrassing. I can't imagine so like, as it happened and not knowing what was going to happen going in. Because like yeah. going in, I watched it. I'm like, I know what's going to happen. This is going to be awful. Like, yep, that was awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, just was, watching it live, I just be like, look at the TV, like, what is going on? <laughs> the best was when um, they just the repeated question was, well, okay, who would you get in? And a young English manager. A young English manager. What was they kept naming one? Manager. Was it Gary Rowlett or something? Did yeah, he say Gary Thierry Henry? And then at one point he said Thierry Henry, <laughs> yeah. didn't he? And I was Did he like, actually? Oh. Yeah. I missed that part. Hold it, I don't know if it was in the same segment, but he did say it. Uh, he had us finishing eighth this season. I mean, what was it? He... I didn't even. I've, I've, there's been like clips of him going around all of the past like four weeks. Uh, what was it? For the two FA Cup ones, uh, he like. All of his surprise packages went out, like, not even close for, like, two yeah. rounds in a row. <laughs> then, what was it, this week, he's, I didn't actually watch the clip, but it was something like, uh, City fans shouldn't be, or shouldn't be all that impressed with Gabriel Jesus. Barca and Madrid didn't want him, so he's clearly not that good. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, do you know that. that, personally, that they didn't want him to begin with? And also, what a strange judgment. I know. <laughs> yeah. Only yeah, Manchester no City wanted him. He's clearly bad. <laughs> But Barcelona wanted Adama Traore, so yeah. now he's amazing and not just a pace merchant. Um, all right, uh, for Tottenham, nobody impressed. Is anybody shocked? I mean, Dembele had and the ben best Davis match was of us. Impressive in a way. <laughs> uh, in a way, you're he was not quite wrong. It was pretty staggering how not great he was. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that is harsh. Dembele had an excellent match. He was the only reason our ball was ever in their half to begin with. Um, you and can't he, press him. He's like. I know. He's press proof. He did so many weird, like, back heels to himself and chopped balls and, like, lifting it over the defender's ankles. It just, I don't it's know. so good. <laughs> I know. So I don't know how he does it so what was it? consistently. What, what was it? Having only him and Wanyaba against, like, a competent pressing team does kind of show why, like, you know, sometimes having Wanyama isn't perfect. Or you yeah, need, like, I mean, bringing on Harry Winks was like, oh, right, a midfielder that can pass the ball. Interesting. As opposed yeah. to Dembele's method of beating three men and then laying it off two feet. Um, beating 11 men. <laughs> yeah, which also works at times. Um, but it's it's what I had been saying uh, for a while, which was in the four-two-three-one, Dyer is better than Wanyama in central midfield because he can actually pass the ball. He has greater diagonal balls. He's more mobile. Um, but Wanyama, when we're playing three at the back, where Wanyama only has to destroy, he's amazing. Arguably the best in the league. At that yeah, no, he's, an ama- he's that's my whole thing. He's an amazing destroyer. I'm just not sure like a destroyer is what you need for all especially matches, especially in a four-two-three-one. Especially, especially when yeah, especially in a two-man midfield without the whole three center backs behind yep. you. Yep, yep, definitely agree. Definitely. Agree with everything you've said. Uh-huh. Wow, we've reached a consensus. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for a player that impressed, Genie uh, Wijnaldum. Who we weren't willing to pay twenty five million for because he he met with Pochettino and came to Hotspur Way, uh, but we signed Sissoko for thirty. Who of the Newcastle outgoing players was clearly be- better? Mm. Um, <laughs> In mm. a way, uh. <laughs> that 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 tasted a lie to be sure. Uh, but Winyoldum obviously had a great match. I'm not going to mention Mane because duh. Um, but but Wijnaldum specifically oh, well, took it. No, I'm so mad at myself. At the end of last year, like I I only tweeted it once, and it was only in a reply to someone. But I said I think Mane is better than Mares, and I so should have been more vocal about that. Ooh, because, that like, would have been that good. Would get, that'd get me all the retweets right now. It would I'm have. Just, <laughs> kicking yourself. I'm so I'm so disappointed in myself. Like, why didn't you talk? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, now let's do match previews. Uh, we'll start with you, Dan. I joked about it earlier, but you do have Bayern Munich because. Why would you play a new team? Uh, who yeah. do you think? I was genu- I was so frustrated. Not even that we got a good team, just that we got Bayern Munich. I was like, I will take Real Madrid. They are harder to beat, but I just I want something new. Yeah. 
Well, you do get Bayern Munich, who unsurprisingly have the best attack and the best defense in the Bundesliga at the moment. Uh, you, you feeling good? Honestly, this is probably the best Bayern team to play in the past five years. Their underlying numbers are nowhere near as good as their overlying numbers. Some of the fans are apparently not particularly happy with the way it's going. Carlo's really not doing a good job in general. I bet you say that they're top of the league, but like considering how bad Dortmund have been, they they should be winning the league by twenty points. Um and they're not. Uh they're again, they're still favorites and we're playing in um Munich, but this is probably the best Bayern team to play in the past five plus years. But they're not they're not what they were. They still might beat us, and Carlo has this thing with the Champions League where he tends to do really well in cup competitions, especially better in leagues. But So I'm still not going to say we're favorites, but I feel better about playing this Bayern Munich team than I have against other Bayern Munich teams. Mm. If you uh, had to guess the result? It's always hard well, to guess aggregate ones because it changes the way you play. True. Uh, I'd still say Bayern win, but I think it's like a... If it's a one goal thing, I'll feel good about it. If it's a two goal, if it's two nil or more than two goals, I'll feel like the tie's over. But yeah. uh, as far as an actual prediction, I don't know. I'll say, can I say like two and a half? Um, uh, I, guess, I mean, you could you could set the line at two point five and take the over. Yeah, sure. I'll set I'll set Bayern's lines or the oh, the total line at three point five and take the over. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Tottenham will be playing uh, Belgian giants Genk. Uh, in, in the Europa League, uh, we're back, guys. Uh, I do not think you will see anyone from our first eleven in this match. I think we're going to roll out the kids and just kind of see what happens. If we advance and get a decent draw, maybe then we'll start seeing some first teamers. Especially if we start dropping in the Premier League. If this Liverpool uh, loss is as destructive to us mentally as it could be, as we discussed earlier. Um, but I assume we'll put out the kids and it'll be a draw, or we'll put out actual players that matter and win. Uh, but I would not be surprised if it's the former. Um, and then, uh, Joshi, kind of have a double dose with you, because you also have an important match at the weekend, but let's start with your match against San Etienne. So, yeah, no, we're, so we're going, uh, I think, well, no, this, this week it's the home leg. Um, I don't know a massive amount about San Etienne. I know they're about fifth in the league, but they do have the second best defense in Liga. Um, they've got Pogba's brother there. I can't remember which one. They're He's Floron, got two brothers. I think. Is it Florian? Yeah, not Matthias. Matthias is another one, right? So yeah, it's definitely the other one. It's the one that starts with F. Yes, it's him. Um, aside from that, I don't know too much about them. But looking at the league and the fact that they've got the second best defense, they're probably going to be more difficult to break down than I think a lot of United fans are anticipating. Um, I think we'll have to be patient. The French league isn't exactly known for its high intensity, um, aside from Monaco, who is scoring at three goals a game this season. So that's pretty impressive. Um, and even there. Have you seen their shots on target numbers per goals? Yeah, They're literally I, scoring every other shot on target. That's not yeah, There's exactly. no way that's sustainable. Which is the opposite of what we're doing. So, yeah. which is You guys have been really unlucky, of, just in general. Well, unlucky, but... I, I, I mean, I, my whole thing Actually, is I think it's unlucky. Poor, that's poor finishing. It's a. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we'll win. I think I don't think San Etienne have the quality, and I and I do think that Jose Mourinho is going to take these cup competitions seriously. Um, and, and as I said earlier, silverware is the whole point of this. And um, obviously, we'd love to win the league, but that's so so out of reach at the moment. So um, and obviously, with the Europa League, it's it's a it's a competition we haven't won before. Um, although we won it, uh, it's sort of, I know we didn't win the UEFA Cup, we won the Cup Winners' Cup, but, you know, so it's a competition we've not won before, and at the end of it, if you do win it, you're guaranteed Champions League, so it's something that, for me, it would be great for us to win it, not because of the qualification of the Champions League, but because it's, I think it's still a really good trophy to win, and it's something United haven't won in the past, so, yeah, we've got a whole host of uh, Cup games coming up, um, including... Blackburn away next weekend as well. So, um, again, that's a, that's going to be a good away a good a good away match for for the supporters. The United fans love going there. Um, difficult game uh, to 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 go there, and you know, just historically, we we always find it a bit difficult there. 
but I think we'll, we'll get the result and we will charge through this month, I think, in terms of the cup competitions. I'm really confident of that and obviously finishing it with the cup final at the end of the month, which I'm going to. So really looking forward to it. But yeah, it's all about the cups now. And I think Jose Mourinho, he's a, he wants to win titles and he loves the League Cup as well. And I think if you're not going to be able to win the league, go for these. You have to sort of try and go for these other other competitions and you know United are the only club left in the league which who are sort of still fighting on four fronts and it'd be great if we can sort of keep that going yeah uh, I assume that you'll kind of rest some Premier League players around that uh, EFL Cup final um I think I think we may rest a couple against maybe against Saint-Étienne at home I don't know actually because he might he might want to just get a big result at home so that he can arrest them he can rest them away from home. So mm. I don't know uh, Jose Mourinho hasn't really brought in a whole bunch of youngsters in these games although we have got a large squad so um it's the areas in central midfield where you're probably thinking we don't really have that depth. I mean we've got Fellaini, Schweinsteiger really to come in. Carrick hasn't really been playing last couple of games but he's been part of a key part of this unbeaten run so you know he's ostensibly first choice um yeah so it's in that midfield area we probably don't have the options i can see jesse lingard coming in marcus rashford but for some reason he will not rest zlatan (laughs) he won't even (laughs) sub him off i don't think zlatan's been subbed off yet this season i can't remember him being subbed off so yeah i'm sure he'll play and he'll play as many games as he possibly can um, but I think he's taking all three cup competitions seriously and rightly so. Um, and I think for that cup final, uh, there is a bit of a gap before it. So I oh, know I think we've got the away leg. So yeah, yeah, we have got the away leg. Um, I think there'll be a few changes here and there and, but I don't think there will be wholesale changes to accommodate for that cup final. I think it will be just to just good squad management. We have a good, good, um, size squad and it's he'll mix it up a little bit I think which is good which is the right way to do it instead of just taking out you know he won't take out nine players and bring in a, a new a new nine just like that I, I don't think that's Jose's way of doing things really and even mm. if he did actually we've got that size squad to, to sort of accommodate that yeah uh, all right well thanks so much guys we've gone a little bit over but it was great stuff from you two uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you uh, cheers, lads. Uh, I'm Joshi from, well, my main thing is on Twitter. I'm at doc underscore Joshi. Look me up. I sort of feature on lots of different podcasts and YouTube channels. Uh, yeah, I'm Dan. Thanks for having me on. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Yeah, and I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter, new lead fantasy writer over at goal.com. So be sure to check everything out over there. I'm going to be writing a Champions League piece um for that coming up and then obviously we'll get into team of the week and preview stuff a little bit later in the week um also host the fpl roundtable on this very channel we also do dfs content for vipbet.com so be sure to check that out as well all right thanks so much for joining us guys it's been a pleasure as always we hope you keep listening Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.